Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Poems for People Who Hate Poetry, and this is your Sunday morning poem. Today, I'm going to be reading very quickly Mending Wall by Robert Frost, or I should say, I'm not going to read it quickly, but we won't have the normal lengthy discussion about the poem that I normally do because I have a meeting afterwards. So um, that is a good thing to have. We can shorten it up. And one of the reasons I think you should listen to this poem, I've actually done several episodes on this particular poem because I think Robert Frost in general, general, especially his greater poems, tend to have a lot, a lot of depth to them and a lot of hidden meaning and different ways of looking at it, interpretation. And that's actually the the, the point of poetry to some degree is it's the interplay between order and chaos, which is why I chose up in the oops, this corner, which is why I chose that symbol um, for the show for now, is um, that that's what you get with this these poems. That's what you get with these ideas. That's what you get when you read poetry and literature, is you interplay between order and chaos. And what I mean by that is, you know, part of order and chaos is the idea of you don't exactly know what the meaning is at first. It's chaotic. That's what it means to be in chaos is you don't know. You're not sure. You don't understand. You're confused. It's scary. It's whatever. All that stuff is true. And the point is that that's the reason why you should read poetry. That's the whole point is that as you start to get a little inkling of an idea and then a little bit more inkling of, of an idea, then you're able to understand the poem. So since we're truncated on time, I'm going to read the poem, Mending Wall, and then I'll try to give you one real quick layer of how to interpret things like this as a normal human being. That's the whole point of poems for people who hate poetry, is poetry for normals. <laughs> so uh, let me pop this up on the screen for you, and I'm going to take this weird scrolly thing away. There we go. Now we're going to go through this poem. Okay, so as usual, I really recommend uh, doing a what I would call like a, almost a fast reading is what some people call it, or just an overall reading, not worrying about meaning or definitions or anything like that. Especially on a poem short like this, where you don't have to read four hundred pages or the you know the Iliad. This one you can just read and you know get a little bit of information from it and kind of get at least a feel for what's going on, and you can see especially because you can see the beginning and the end, which is important because the end is going to play on the beginning and the beginning plays on the end. So it's, you know, great poetry like this tends to, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what's wrong with me today. Great poetry like this tends to play on all of it. The whole, W-H-O-L-E, is the truth. Is The, the whole is the, the, the good. Okay, here we go. Mending Wall by Robert Frost. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that sends the frozen groundswell under it, and spills the upper boulders in the sun, and makes gaps even two can pass abreast. The work of hunters is another thing. I have come after them and made repair where they have left not one stone on a stone, but they would have the rabbit out of hiding to please the yelping dogs. The gaps, I mean. No one has seen them made or heard them made, but at spring mending time we find them there. I let my neighbor know, beyond the hill, 
and on a day we meet to walk the line and set the wall between us once again. We keep the wall between us as we go, to each the boulders that have fallen, to each, and some are lows and some so nearly balls, we have to use a spell to make them balance. Stay where you are until our backs are turned. We wear our fingers rough with handling them. Ah, uh, just another kind of outdoor game, one on a side. It comes a little more. There, where it is we do not need the wall, he is all pine and I am apple orchard. My apple trees will never get across and eat the cones under his pines, I tell him. He only says, good fences make good neighbors. Spring is the mischief in me, and I wonder if I could put a notion in his head. Why do they make good neighbors? Isn't it where there are cows? But here, there are no cows. Before I built a wall, I'd ask to know what I was walling in or walling out, and to whom I was like to give offense. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that wants it down. I could say elves to him, but it's not elves exactly, and I'd rather he said it for himself. I see him there, bringing a stone grasped firmly by the top in each hand like an old stone savage armed. He moves in darkness, as it seems to me, not of woods only in the shade of trees. He will not go behind his father, saying, and he likes having thought of it so well, he says again, good fences make good neighbors. Okay, I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing that as much as I enjoyed reading that. And the one thing I wanted to point out real quickly, I'm going to do a quick converse with verse here. As you may know, if you've listened to my show before, they can be kind of lengthy because there's a lot to talk about in all these poems. In fact, there's an infinite amount of things you could, you know, really talk about if you wanted to. You could really go thing, you know, going from one thing to the next to the next to the next. That's, it never ends. But one of the, um, first things in a poem like this is that Robert Frost indeed named the poem. So it's called Mending Wall. Not all poetry is named or titled. So, for instance, um, Emily Dickinson doesn't really title any of her stuff because I don't think she ever planned on it being published in her lifetime. So, but this one is, that means it's purposefully done if it's a great author. He, he's doing this on purpose. And if you're Robert Frost, you want everything to be relevant in your poem. Like you only have a certain limited space. You can't write a whole 700 page, thousand page novel. So you have to, you know, really take into consideration the limited time, the limited space that you have and everything's important. So when we think mending wall, don't just listen to the words after you read it once, try to think, well, what does mending wall mean? And mending wall can be a variety of things. I mean, it could be the name of a wall. It's like, hey, there's mending wall. But it could, you know, it's like, my, our, but it could also be a verb. We're going to mending the wall, so you can be fixing the wall. So you know, you have multiple, very simple meanings there, mending wall. But it could also have a slightly more metaphorical term where it can mean mending walls between people. So that's kind of what it's taken is met, fixing the fences because we need to fix relationships between people, and the best way to do that, according to 
the second guy in this poem, the guy who says the neighbor is good fences make good neighbors. So you have to do that. You have to be, if you want to be a good neighbor, you have to have good fences. So you got to mend the wall. So mending the wall takes on another meaning of this metaphorical, you know, this, this uh, way of looking at the world where to have good relations, we need to have good fences or good walls. Uh, so real quick, I'm going to point out in a poem like this, or in all great poetry, I should say, there's a play on the meaning of, of the words and not just the individual words, but the sentences, the interplay or the syntax, like the, the, the relation of words to another word is important. And that really teaches you how to listen to people in the real world and how to speak in, um, you know, improve your own communication abilities because you can understand the underlying meaning behind a lot of things. So this very odd first sentence, first line is repeated again down somewhere here. <laughs> Where did I lose it? Something there is that doesn't love a wall. It sounds different the first time you hear it versus the second time you hear it. Now, I tried to emphasize this, but the way I hear it is something there is that doesn't love a wall. Like, who doesn't love a wall? That sends, and one of the reasons I think that, um, even though, again, something there is. So what is it? So there is something that doesn't love a wall. But in its initial line, when we have this mending wall type of positive, and then we have right after it, that sends the frozen groundswell under it. That's not a denigration of walls. That is approval of walls. You know, like, who doesn't love a wall? It sends the groundswell under it, the frozen groundswell under it, and, and spills the upper boulders in the sun. Well, that sounds like, you know, honey and milk spilling in the sunshine, and, you know, it's got this beautiful gleam or something, and then and makes gaps. Even two can pass abreast. Well, think of it this way. When you're in a field with someone, a friend or something, let's say, and you're past, you're walking in the field, the field, you know, you have this vast open field. The field stresses your separateness because you, you know, your friend can go this way, you can go that way, he can go straight, you can go back, you can go left, right, he can go 10 degrees northwest, you can go 10 degrees northeast, whatever. So there's a whole myriad, there's an infinite of possibilities in a field. Of where you could do so it kind of stresses your openness or your your separateness not your togetherness you know if it's like you and a lover you could separate in this field but when you get to a wall and there's only one gap in the wall then you have to come together right so he's saying and makes gaps even too compassive breath so i think he's really praising walls this is like here's the beauty of walls you know let's before we attack donald trump's wall let's look at the beauty of the wall now he talks about the the work of hunters is another thing, and I have come after them and made repair where they have left not one stone on a stone, but they would have the rabbit out of hiding to please the yelping dogs. Now one way to look at that is literal hunters like Elmer Fudd hunters with their rifles looking around with their yelping dogs. Another way of looking at that is wolves, you know, of some or some kind of uh, animal that's going chasing the rabbit and the yelping dogs are the other dogs in the pack or the other uh, wolves in the pack or something. And they're trying to get the rabbit and they knock over some stones, which kind of tells you the primitiveness of this uh, wall, which is an interesting decision by 
uh, Frost here. Like, why did he choose a primitive wall rather than, you know, this is modern times. He's writing this in the 19th century. Why, why wouldn't the neighbors build like a real wall? Why are they putting these weird, and we get an image of it here, you know, to each boulders that have fallen each and some are loaves and some so nearly balls. So it's like, it's a weird, you know, he's not just talking about any kind of wall. It's a weird wall that they're taking stones and they're putting it, piling it onto each other. So it's not the safest wall in the world. Um, but I think he's trying to stress the primitiveness of walls. This is the kind of wall that ancient man would have built, right? Before he could do bricks and mortars or concrete or, or barbed wire and things of that nature. Okay, so the hunters can be either one, but they hunters is nature, right? It's wolves, or it could be a hybrid between that, where it's it's humans as these you know beasts kind of thing that come in and destroy the the you know the the walls between us and destroys the um, sanctity of our homes or the the walls that we build to protect ourselves from each other, which I think is what he's trying to say here. And then he says the gaps. I mean. No one has made them, seen them made, or heard them made, but at spring mending time, we find them there. So now he's bringing up the idea of spring and mending time. Now that's going to be important because he's going to talk about that later. So spring is related to mending time. Mending, remember, like if you break a leg, you mend the leg. You're fixing the leg. If you break the, the fence, you're going to fix, mend the fence. So spring is renewal time it's after winter when winter comes in and destroys everything and then you can go and fix it later and that's what mending time is and spring is a good time for that now uh so once these these hunters these wolves these beasts out in nature destroy part of the the wall and then it says um i let my neighbor know beyond the hill and on a day we meet to walk the line and set the wall between us as we go we keep the wall between us as we go so you get this picture of these two guys walking this line for a long period of time, his neighbor. Now that's, I think that's an important part because what Peterson is, or Peterson, what um, Frost is saying is, Hey, I'm not going to fix this wall because a wall isn't owned by a particular person, right? It's owned by two people. Otherwise you don't need the wall. Usually, unless you're out in the middle of, you know, if you're in the wild west and you're trying to, you know, protect your flock or something from wolves, that's one, you know, which he is here. But I think he's, Frost is trying to stress the idea that we walls by their nature are supposed to separate, you know, two pieces of property. And if we are separating two pieces of property, a wall is owned by its nature by two different people, by the neighbor on one side, the neighbor on the other side. That's the nature of a wall. So no one person owns it outright. It's owned by both, which is an interesting part of a wall, especially a wall that's supposed to keep you separated. So it's like I'm going to we're mutually going to agree to separate ourselves to each of the boulders that have fallen to each. So, you know, one way to, to parse out responsibility is to say that falls on your side, this falls on my side. We're going to um you know, that's what you're going to fix and put those back. The boulders that fall over there, the boulders that fall over here, I'm going to fix. And some are loaves and some so nearly balls. We have to use a spell to make them balance. And we shouldn't go into more detail about some stuff like this, but, you know, stay where you are until your backs are turned. You know, look at what the words are saying is a spell to make them balance. So think of it as like a wizard. And, and you can, I can almost picture them, you know, putting up their hands you stay where you and we've done this in real life. Like you build, you stack a whole bunch of papers and you walk away carefully. You're like, stay, stay. And you're 
you're, it's like this magic you're trying to you're trying to make this magic happen, and that's something we have with with words. We believe in some level that it's magic. We wear our fingers rough with handling them. Oh, just another kind of outdoor game, one on a side. So it's a game. It's like basketball. They're just playing a silly game. It comes to a little more. You know, what's the point of this? And he's going to start questioning the point of the damn wall. What do we need this wall for? Um, there where it is, we do not need the wall. He is all pine and I am apple orchard. So he's saying, you know, my apple trees will never get across and eat the cones on his pine, I tell him. He only says, and this is the, the important part, I think. No, it's all important. But this is one uh a, a, a phrase that has percolated into our culture, which comes from poetry. And that's very common. So the idea of good fences make good neighbors is something that we you've probably heard before, and you probably even think that it's a good thing. And maybe it is. But what? Uh, but remember that this Frost is trying to say something else about that. You know, what you see later as he goes through this is that it stands in the mind of, it stands in your mind if you really read this poem, as the unthinking man's slogan and what you know he's trying to do so this this neighbor says good fences make good neighbors and that so that's the whole reason why they do this stupid fence or or wall that nobody needs a wall because he's apple orchard you're or, you know he's pine and you're all apple orchards so why the hell do you need the wall your apple orchard's not going to go and eat your stuff it's not going to bother anything but you're just supposed to do it Right, and that's how we're supposed to act. And this is again, spring is the mischief in me. Remember, they're playing. He's playing on the words he's already set up in your mind. If you're paying attention, where did he put it? So he says, "Spring is the mending time." Um, but at spring mending time, we find them there. Spring. So again, we have spring, and, and this is why it's important: chaos and order. So the structure of the poem is starting to come together as a cohesive whole with some understanding. If you're reading correctly, spring is the mischief for me. That's mending time. So he's relating, fixing the fence, fixing the the house, the the gutters, all the stuff that you're supposed to fix after the the torrent of winter. And it's also the time when you can maybe fix people and their their silly inane ideas or slogans that they have in my head in their head. If I put a notion in his, I wonder if I could put a notion in his head. Why do they make good neighbors? So he's asking a question. And I'm going to, uh, you know, and then he goes into this whole thing about cows and so on and so forth, you know, and why, sh- why should we put it up? It doesn't make any sense. So the narrator is questioning it. And then listen again, something there is that doesn't love a wall, that wants it down. So now the, the term here makes is a quite different than the love of poetry up here and the love of walls up here. Now you have, well, shouldn't we want it down? I could say elves to him. And what are elves? They're elves, you know, Keebler elves. They live in trees and they, they all live together and they share everything, right? So why can't we be like that? But he doesn't, the narrator doesn't want to just tell his neighbor that. He wants his neighbor to come to that himself. Okay, there's a lot more in here, but I got to run. Um, I, I want, so think about it. If you're interested, write in the comments your thoughts. There's, I mean, there's so much we could talk about with the imagery he's trying to use and what he's trying to convey you know, why certain kinds of images versus other images? What is the meaning, you know, of mending wall and how does that apply to this paragraph or this section? You know, you could do that over and over and over again. And the more you do it, the better you get at ordering the chaos. And by the way, I hope you will check out my um, latest, whoops, where'd it go? Maybe my latest episode on kirkbarbera.com.
And this is where I did Jordan Peterson's fourth rule for life. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. So I'm going through, oops, going through Peterson's 12 rules. If you can see that, 12 rules for life. And we're talking about each rule in depth. I'm really going into it. I'm comparing it to literature. I'm comparing it to poetry. I'm really trying to dig in as best as my ability. And this one was a very interesting one because it's the one where I really, really diverged and vehemently disagreed with Peterson on a couple of really key issues, even though I enjoy and really love Peterson's work. I think he's doing some great stuff here, but there's some major problems that I had to address and I did my best. Although I might do a little mini episode on, you know, Peterson's view of atheism and why he's wrong. Okay. Thank you very much. And I'll see you next time.